TJ and PK brought to you in part by T-Mobile. Time to welcome in David Nixon, former BYU TV football analyst and former Cougar linebacker. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. David, good morning. TJ, what's going on? Well... PK wants to hit you up. I mean, we could we could tap dance around it, but PK, tell him what you're looking for. Man, I saw Balderson's going to be joining Hidden Valley. It's only a matter of time before the three of us are playing golf over there, right? Let's go. You know, I'm uh, I'm ready. I, I let him join. I, I'm still a member up in Park City at a couple spots, so I've, I've got to let those run out, and I'll come down to the valley and join you guys. <laughs> a couple <laughs> spots. Well, somebody's crushing it. That was a nice humble brag right there. Well, he made NFL money. It, it's, it, uh, you know, we worked some deals here and there, and I, I got hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is classic. All right, let's get to the football, shall we? It's the Cougars and the Cougars. I watched one Houston football game, well, because that's all they played, because they had so many games canceled. Uh, you know, one school had a problem, another school had a problem. It turned out they were all playing Houston. So they played this one game with Tulane where for 20 minutes they look awful, and then for 40 minutes, they look great. The 20 minutes, they just kind of write off to, well, you're playing your first game, and they're playing a fourth, and you're nervous, and, you know, whatever. And then for 40 minutes, okay, they got a lot of team speed, but they were thrashing Tulane so badly in those final 40 minutes that they didn't really know what to make of it and to draw any conclusions. Is there something you could say about Houston? Because you've watched a ton of film over your career, and you know this for a fact. Yeah, I, I would say, obviously, the team speed. Stevenson, the wide receiver that returned to kickoff for a touchdown, has got bona fide, real top-end type speed. Uh, and as a receiver, he also got a deep post for a touchdown. So, um, I, no question, this will be, speed-wise, the toughest opponent BYU's faced all season. Um, and then offensively, they listen, they have shown they have five turnovers, right? I mean, they, they, they've shown that they can cough the ball up. And so, if BYU wants to win on the road, they've got to be opportunistic and, and find a way to create some turnovers and uh, get the ball back in Zach's hands. But um, I, I think it's just a matchup. There's no question it's the biggest matchup for BYU. And I think BYU players are, are pretty excited about it, um, pretty locked in on it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, you throw in the fact that now Houston will have some fans, right? I think they're 25% capacity. So I think that'll be fun for the BYU players because I've heard that a lot of the kids' parents will be traveling down there to finally watch their kid for the first time this season. We're five games in. They'll, they'll watch their kids play. So they'll play for us and family. Uh, but when we look at the matchup itself, um, it, it's, it's obviously a pretty exciting matchup. And like you said, we only have one game of film on them. Uh, but this is, a, this is a Houston team that uh, always gets a lot of talent. Having grown up in Texas, uh, you know, you, the main kids, the four or five-star recruits all went to uh, Texas and Texas A&M. Uh, and then you get Houston and, and TCU uh, and all those schools would kind of pick up the scraps. And – um, and so a lot of the kids from Houston, obviously, you know, if they don't get into one of the bigger schools, they ought to stay home and play close. And so there's no doubt that they've got a lot of talent there. Uh, but I think the one thing that jumps off from film is that they're maybe a little bit undisciplined. And so there's a way to kind of capitalize on that. And that's trying to create some turnovers. Back when all you guys, I'm speaking to TCU and Utah and BYU were in the Mountain West, there was a big game that, uh, TCU and Utah were playing on Thursday night. I think it might have been in the 08 season, 
when BYU-Utah had its undefeated Sugar Bowl season. So I'm up there covering the game, and they have those long, they print out the big sheets of rosters, and I'm looking at TCU's roster, and I, and I went through it, and if I remember correctly, out of their entire roster, which wasn't just their travel roster, it was their whole roster that they had, and so there's 100-some kids on it, and I think I literally counted five, four or five that weren't from Texas, and I think they were from Louisiana. And I meant to ask you this about last week, too, with the UTSA, because that's a newer program. I don't, they weren't playing Division One football when you were growing up, but they are now. My point is, isn't there enough talent? You talk about those scraps that don't go to Texas or don't go to A&M, whatever it might be, but yet there's still enough talent in that state that produces high school football. They may be a little bit undersized, whatever might be the reason. I'm not sure. You know, in Texas and A&M can't take everybody. But the point being, there is a ton of high school talent in the state of Texas. Yeah, no doubt. I remember when I got recruited uh, to, to come play at BYU, uh, Brian Mitchell was the one recruiting me, and when he came to my house, he he guaranteed me at one point that I'd be starting my freshman year, and I kind of just rolled my eyes and thought that was coach Pete. But he went on to say, he "Goes, oh, listen, Texas football is the closest you get to college football. I mean, you're 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 well groomed, you're well prepared uh, at the high school level here, and so the transition to college football is that much easier. Um, and, and I think that shows with just the talent, because week in week out, Texas, you do play." You know, kids that are all going D1 all over the country. And the majority of them do stay there in Texas. Uh, you look at, you know, I mean, you look at even Texas and Texas A&M's rosters, and the majority of the kids are, are there locally. Yeah, they'll pick off the kids from Arizona or California once in a while, but I think the majority of them are, are from Texas. So, yeah, ton, ton of talent there. And it's, uh, like I said, week, week in, week out, you're playing the best talent. And so I think it prepares you pretty well for that next level. Um, but if you're Houston and TCU, SMU, I mean, and now, like you said, UTSA, Texas State, all these schools, there's plenty of guys to pick off from. Uh, and, and frankly, as we know, those kids, a lot of those kids that go to Houston and SMU and, and the schools that are in the Big 12, like, like uh, TCU and, and Texas Tech, a lot of those kids have chip on their shoulders. And, and they feel like they should have gone to those bigger schools that got looked over. And so they come out with that chip on their shoulder and they tend to be uh, work harder and, and maybe play a little harder. So – uh, like I said, if you can find the right kids, you can put together a pretty solid program with, with what, you know, quote-unquote the scraps, the leftovers uh, from the kids that get looked over from the big schools. So not to get hung up on Texas recruiting, but I've always been intrigued by this, and since you're from Texas, there are uh, – and, and the Texas population has grown so much that it's now California 1, Texas 2 in terms of population in the country. So there are just more kids. But is there also a cultural thing that if you're a good athlete, you gravitate to football in Texas as opposed to other sports? I mean, basketball, baseball, track, wrestling, or whatever. Uh, but do more of the best athletes gravitate to football because it's such a big deal there? I think the difference between Texas and Utah and maybe other states is yes, just that every single kid at least tests the water of football. So they're all going to start in junior high, or I mean, they, they start some in Pee Wee, but I think every single one plays junior high football, and then it starts to kind of get weeded out from there. I mean, the, the, the kids will, if they're not that great, will then find another sport to play. And they still play a lot of sports. I mean, I, I grew up, I played basketball throughout high school as well. Um, and, and there's a lot of kids that play baseball or whatever it may be. But I think the difference is everybody at least tries football because there is kind of that, that peer pressure, uh, you know, growing up to, to try to be a football player, right? 
Um, and so it, it is interesting. But, of course, a lot of those guys don't make it, don't hack it, and so they go focus on something else. Uh, but, uh, you know, once again, the, 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 the main big athletes at least take a crack and, and typically stick with it if, if it's something that they're excelling in. So uh, I would say that that's, that's probably the big difference between Texas and, and elsewhere. So we saw the first three games for the Cougars. Couldn't have gone better, really. I mean, they just smoked everybody. And the fourth game wasn't as easy, obviously. Did you see anything in that game that would cause you concern? You know, I have gone back and looked at this film. Um, Not really. I I think the team finally hit a little bit of adversity. I I personally think that if Neil Powell doesn't fumble the ball on that eight-yard line going in on the first drive, I think Joey wins by 21-plus in this game. I think what happens is then you score, the emotions are high on BYU's sideline, and they kind of ride that. Uh, having been in the stadium and, and watching their body language after that fumble, I think everyone got a little down. And, of course, UTSA didn't score the next drive, but they moved the ball. Um, and I think everyone started to kind of – I don't know. The, the, the air was kind of taken out of the, of the sideline of the stadium. So um, I think the game would have been a little different. Obviously it wasn't, and, and BYU struggled to – to kind of put up points and, and really create anything. And you listen to the post-game interviews, they just never got in a rhythm. And I think that was the most frustrating part offensively. They still moved the ball well. You look at Zach's numbers, um, and he still had a really efficient night. Uh, but ultimately, they just couldn't put points up. They couldn't get any type of rhythm. Uh, and then defensively, the change of the quarterback from Harris and Narcisse was huge. And Narcisse just really picked apart this BYU defense. And looking back on the film there, uh, there's a lot of, once again, a lot of bad angles uh, from safeties, from backers from everybody in the, in the past game uh, and, and just kind of tough zone coverage. They, they didn't play a lot of great zone coverage on the back end. So that's something that obviously I clean up uh, going into this week because, like I said, Houston, their whole uh, main objective is to get behind the defense, and they're trying to take the lid off the defense. They're going to stretch it vertically and find ways to pick you apart. So uh, BYU better be ready because, like I said, they're facing speed they haven't seen all this year. And they're going to need to make sure their safety stay on top. Backers got to get depth in their drops. Um, and they've got to find a way to, to stop this prolific Houston offense that we've seen through one game, really. So <clears throat> making the best out of a bad situation and you know, trying to find the silver lining, is this just a huge, that fourth game, a huge wake-up call? And will there be a much more focused, sharper team? Or do you think they're going to be playing – with a piano on their back next uh, or Friday night? <laughs> I think it's a wake-up call. I, I think this team needs to face a little bit of adversity. And you guys have probably seen the stat through Kalani uh, Stockton's era that he was something like, I think, 3-8 and eight going into this game. So now 4-8 and eight versus G5 teams when it's been, uh, been decided by seven points or fewer. So, uh, I, you know, this was a good win. And, and Kalani, we had him on our post-game show. Uh, you could see kind of relief in his face. I mean, he was a little disappointed that – he didn't run him off the field, but you also see uh, some, some relief in his face. And he said, listen, the win's a win, and we got to celebrate it. And I think there's a lot of truth to that because this is a team in the past, and like I said, during Kalani's era, that has found ways to, to cop these games up. And, and it was nice to see him finally pull through. I mean, when they needed a solid drive, when they needed a game-winning drive, they went 80 yards and, and drove down and took, I think, six minutes off the board uh, there in that fourth quarter, and, and they made a statement and punched it in for a touchdown. So, um you know, at the end of the day, props to them for, for pulling through. Yeah, everyone thought they would smoke them, and, you know, the line was, I think, 34 and a half or something. It was some crazy number. Uh, and so they didn't obviously live, live up to the hype and what the expectations were. But ultimately, they took care of business. And 
it's obviously much better to, to learn and to win uh, than to try and learn something and lost. So uh, they're 4-0. Obviously, the national riders uh, moved them up a spot, so they didn't take it. You know, they didn't care. They only won by seven. I think they, they realized how hard it is to win at the collegiate level, uh, and they were rewarded with the ranking. So uh, I think you put that game behind you, a lot of stuff to learn, and then you focus on a short week when you have to travel down to Houston and get ready for them. Yeah, I think that drive that you just referenced was really key because it was like, all right, the game's in balance, let's get serious, and they got serious. And I don't want to say it was just a piece of cake, but they grind their way down the field and got the touchdown and gave them the separation, although the, if I remember correctly, UTSA did come back and score. But nevertheless, when they needed it, they got it, which is an important sign. One of the things, and you do the BYU TV work, and then Kalani will do his uh, post-game work, and then he talks uh, in terms of uh, media obligations, and then he talks Mondays. And it seems like now every time he's doing these forms of media that he's getting the question about the ranking and the hype. And, you know, he's a good dude, so he doesn't want to just say, would you guys shut up about that? But basically that's what he's saying because he doesn't want to talk about it, but yet you can't deny it that it's there. Uh, how do you think is this playing? What type type of effect it's having on these guys in terms of are they excited about it? Is it becoming a little bit of albatross? What exactly do you see this ranking meaning in terms of the effect on the team? You know, we'll see as the season progresses and if they can keep winning and they keep moving up, how it affects them. I remember as a player, I think it had uh, the type of effect where I realized, okay, we got to defend this ranking. Right, I mean, the, everyone thinks we're this good. Now we got to prove that we are this good, and so it, it, it drove us to to try to be better each week uh, and to focus. And I don't think we ever bought in and said, "Hey, listen, we can take today off because hey, we're ranked 14th in the country." Right? I don't think that's any of these players' mindsets. I don't think, obviously, not the coaches' mindset. Um, and so I think a lot of people get worried and say, "Hey, it's going to go to their head," and they're worried that they're going to think through all that and maybe overlook opponents. I don't ever think that's really the case. At least when I was playing, I, we never looked at it that way. Um, I think it really is some motivation for you to go out there and prove the people right uh, that, that you are deserving of that ranking. But um, you're right. He's talked about it quite a bit. He's asked about it quite a bit. And the players are all saying the right things as well. Um, do I think they maybe overlooked UTSA a little bit in preparation for Houston? I would say maybe. I think they, when that line came out and they looked at the film, because on film, UTSA wasn't near as good as La Tech, um, and, and they're, especially on the offensive defensive line. Uh, but you look at Joey's offensive line against UTSA, and they struggled. I mean, Zach's numbers were still good, but he was getting flushed out of the quarterback left and right. Uh, they, they had some pressure, whether it be one guy or two guys. They usually have one guy coming loose. And so um, I think getting James Empey back, they're projecting to get James Empey back to starting center this week, which will be huge because we know the center, he sets the line, and he, he sets which way they're going to slide and protect. And, and, and when you have a veteran guy like Empey that started for years there, that's a huge addition. So that should help a lot against Houston. Um, but, uh, you know, offensively, I expect him to get more on track, create more of a pocket, and give Zach some more time, like we saw in the first three games versus this last game. But, uh, like I said, Houston will be a much tougher task than what they've seen in these first four games. So I think that's what's exciting. I think, I think this game this week will tell uh, the whole country if BYU is a real deal or not. And I think everyone's kind of anxious to see uh, what the result is. So when you go back and look at the game, I'm curious about the O-line play because when the O-line's dominating, everything's easy. Were they yeah. getting beat by exotic zone blitzes? Were guys just getting beat one, just one-on-one? Were guys just getting confused with pretty simple stuff they ought to be able to handle, but still there's a level of confusion because there's some 
twister stunt. What what was the problem? Yeah, from what I saw, it looked like there was some one-on-one uh, matchups that BYU just lost, and, and guys can be the point of attack. Uh, and, and you look at Houston, they had some big boys on that defensive line, uh, and, and you know they had some speed on them, and, uh, and they took advantage of that with BYU. And, and once again, BYU down a couple guys, uh, Tristan Hodge, and then, of course, uh, James Zippy, like I mentioned. So they've been trying to rotate guys in and out there at that position. Uh, but I think it kind of finally caught up to them. Uh, but once again, you look at the stat line, you only put up 470 yards of total offense and 178 of that are rushing. I mean, that's a, that's a big number to the rushing yards alone. So it's tough to critique them too much. But like I said, when you do go back, there were some breakdowns, which you didn't see in those first four, you know, first three games. Uh, Zach really had all day, and he had a very clean pocket, and he could step into the throws and uh, you know make precision throws. But And I think that's why you also saw bigger explosive plays those first three games than you saw this last game. Um but, like I said, it's, it's good to learn and to look at that film, and now the guys got a little bit of taste of how they have to block and not be lazy and, and not get beat, right? And, and that's something you can take on to this week's game. So uh, we'll see how they respond and how they rebound, because I think offensive line obviously will be one of the biggest key indicators for this game against Houston. If they can, they can go out there and impose their will like they did in the first three games, and really the fourth game as well, um, if, they, if they can run the ball, man, that sets up that play action pass for Zach, and he's, with where he's at right now in his career, the ability for him to pick apart these defenses because of his understanding of the game uh, and then that connection he has with Gunnar Romney and Dax Milne, uh, man, he's, he's pretty dangerous. Uh, but I, I think he's got to have a clean pocket. If he's out on the run, it makes it that much more difficult to, to find his receivers. So uh, we'll see if that offensive line can produce. So we were talking about recruiting and how a number of the top stars in the state of Utah have been leaving. They've been not going to either whatever it's BYU, Utah, Utah State, Weaver, whatever, uh, you know, the high-level Division One programs that we have. And we're also talking about how if a kid is local and he stays local, how it can set them up going forward. And you're not a local kid. Obviously, you're an LDS kid. But you played in the NFL. You came back and you've established your life and your business and your family here can you speak to a kid like you you had a lot of name recognition by the time you were done and how that can pay off in the in the real life in terms of making money when you go back to the community we're pretty much all BYU fans who know know who David Nixon is yeah I mean I, I tell people all the time it's funny I'm from Texas my wife's from California and we somehow ended up here in Utah uh, besides the fact that the weather, I, I love the weather. I actually like the cold, uh, the mountains. For, for me, go back to the weather, Texas is so humid and hot that Utah, I just, I love the dry weather. But, uh, besides that, you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. BYU has a fantastic alumni, uh, kind of association and program. And, uh, BYU does a great job while you're playing that you're around a lot of these alumni and uh, you network and, and make these connections that you can lean on when you're done with your career. Uh, and I know Utah has the same, and, and I think what's great about Utah as a whole, especially the Salt Lake, Utah County area, is this, at the end of the day, it's still a really small community, I mean, especially population-wise. Um, and so I think uh, that allows for you to have some opportunities as a former athlete. Um, and even, even you know, with Utah players, I know a lot of Utah players have become president over the years. Um, in fact, Nate Orchard came in and, and did like a kind of job shadowed me, I think, last year, a year before. Uh, looking to get into the real estate, business, the commercial real estate business. So, um, I, you know, I, I think it's just kind of who you know. We we know that with business, right? It's not necessarily what you know, but who you know. And and I think sticking around and, and using your connections here locally 
uh, can put kids in a, in a great spot. And listen, I think that's the same case if you go down to A&M or Texas. I think the alumni program do a great job of reaching out to these student-athletes. Um, and, and deservedly so. A lot of these kids put a lot on the line for their school and, and forego internships, right? I, I remember when I was at BYU and I was in a finance undergrad, all these kids were going off to New York and to San Francisco to do these summer internships to prepare them for, you know, their future jobs. And as athletes, you can't. You guys, you had to stick around and do, continue those off-season workouts there uh, on campus. And so you couldn't go get a big-time uh, internship program elsewhere. And so it does put you behind the eight ball a little bit. And I think as a result, uh, the alumni do a great job of trying to compensate for that, reaching out and, and trying to help you when your time's over. So, um, yeah, no question that, that Utah's a great spot for it. And like I said, I think most colleges elsewhere are. Uh, but uh, it's it's been great staying here and being part of the Cougar family and uh, enjoying those those connections. And so that Cougar family doesn't really want a Sun Devil rattling around uh, Hidden Valley, do they? I mean, you got to no, draw you got to draw no, a we line. We we don't accept that riffraff down in, in Utah County. Well, wait a Sunday second morning. here. We 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 both have, we have a common bond. We hate the Utes. <laughs> We're brothers. Oh, okay. Well, one o'clock tea time. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll see you at Hidden Valley next week, then, if that's the case. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks, David. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care.